Good morning, good morning, everybody. It is Wednesday, June 15th at 5.14 a.m. And uh, coming at you live, coming at you live from the uh, East Coast. It's uh, Eastern time over here in the United States. And I smoked on Saturday with my friend. Uh, We were hanging deer stands. And he offered, I brought the rest of my jar to him, so I have no more flour at my place of residence. And uh, as we were headed out into the woods to hang the stand, he's, hey, you uh, you trying to quit? Where are you at with this? I said, well, I haven't smoked in a week, but uh, I would smoke with you. <laughs> and so I, I did, I did. And uh, Sunday, I ended up taking some uh, some coconut oil and... Monday, nothing. Tuesday, nothing. And now today is Wednesday. Definitely nothing today because I'm doing a little moonlighting after I go to work. I'm a kindergarten teacher. I'll be headed out to help hang some smart boards and some technology stuff in a different school district. A little bit of construction on the side. So, yeah, just staying busy, trying to make a little money. Got some purchases under the belt that need to be paid for. I got a tattoo sleeve because... My right arm has an upper half sleeve of the myth of Sisyphus, and on the inside of that arm is a fury, a Greek fury, a goddess of justice, uh, but she's naked <laughs> from the from the belly button up, and so she's got two big boobies hanging right by my elbow. Uh, I got some regrets there. need to get a, I don't know what you call that, I guess a breastplate put on her, you know, some armor maybe to cover up those tits. They're good-looking tits, but until I get that, I, I wear a tattoo sleeve, and I keep losing them. This is my third one, and so that's $20 or something out the window. And then I also purchased a new TENS unit because I had lost the wires and pads for my other one, and that was $54. So money in, money out. Uh, you know, Dave Ramsey says, you got to get a bigger shovel. He says, some people have a big shovel, but they don't play good defense. Right? Like they're not being careful with what they're spending their money on. Uh, other people have really good defense, but their offense sucks too. You know, their income is too low. They're not working two jobs, three jobs. And as a teacher or as a healthcare professional, I can tell you that our, our jobs are very emotionally demanding as opposed to when I worked for an environmental services firm and I drove a big box truck and, you know, basically segregated and shipped hazardous waste. It was emotional in the sense that you work with incompetent idiots and emotional in the sense that, you know, you got to deal with a whiny, naggy customer. But the kind of attention to detail that you need as a teacher to all these crazy kids and their emotional nuances, uh, it's pretty extreme. And so I know that by the end of the week, I'm going to have a case of the sniffles. There's no question because I'm working late today with that second job working late tomorrow with that second job and then friday i'm getting cocked and i don't not talking up the asshole i'm talking i'm getting drunk (laughs) the uh we're having a big like 25 year slash retirement recognition dinner so if you made it to 25 years as a teacher or if you're retiring uh we're having this dinner at some fucking country club that i'll probably charge you know 10 or 15 dollars for a drink so I'm going to be stopping at the liquor store and loading up on those little those little bottles, you know, those little shots, shot and a half, whatever they are. And uh I'm going to get I'm going to get pretty drunk. And I'm going to eat some good food and I'm going to clap really hard and cheer for people. And uh that'll be my Friday. And today is actually 
the last, almost the last Wednesday of the school year. Our last Wednesday is on the 22nd, last day with kids. And, you know, I don't know how many will show up. Hopefully all of them. And then that's it. You know, 23, 24 uh, will be just teachers. We'll be figuring out which class kids should go to. And we'll be organizing our own classrooms, receiving our assignments for next year. Hopefully I'm still in kindergarten. Uh, I had dwelled on the idea of going to fifth grade because there's a different principal up there who is a former PE teacher. And I am all about kids being active. I'm all about getting kids outside. And it sounds like she is too. However, it would be a brand new curriculum, which takes a lot of time to figure out and implement. And I have found that when I start something new, I end up just kind of having to play to my strengths, which is student rapport. And I'm pretty good at that. I, I, that's why it's a strength. And I don't, I don't need any more practice with it. What I need is practice getting kids uh, academically sound, uh, practice with my organization, practice with my planning. And so I'm keeping my fingers crossed next year I can stay right in kindergarten. Now, what happens after that? Psh, anybody, nobody knows. It's anybody's guess because from a family perspective, becoming a PE teacher would be sweet. You know, less prep time. Can pretty much show up, you know, whenever the contract starts and then leave uh, at the end of the day. You know, that, that kind of stuff is a natural for me. And that's nice. That's nice for the family. It also gives me a lot more time to participate in things like uh, different committees. Schools are filled with committees. You know, I'm on the uh, Positive Behavioral Committee. I'm on the Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Committee. There's a Math Committee. There's an ELA Committee. You name it, there's a motherfucking committee. And so anyway, PE teacher would be pretty sweet. Justify taking the kids outside all the time. But, of course, there's always that alternative program looming in the background. And a lot of people are saying I should go for that because it's like a unicorn. You know, taking the kids fishing, taking the kids hiking, um, making maple syrup and apple cider. And the only thing is that that's a huge commitment. That is like a lifelong, you know, if I take that job, I, I would feel very uncomfortable just walking away. You know, the district would have decided I was the man for it and then to bail. Like, ultimately, they'll figure something out, but... You know, I'm just torn. And it would be a huge commitment also because it means I'm staying right here in this part of the state. And I can make an additional twelve grand uh, if I went north. So, I don't know. It's Those are decisions for another day. Let's go to Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 15. I finished the book of Proverbs. I'm actually reading a story in the Old Testament right now. And in it, the main character got a name change. Uh, that was one of their blessings from God. And what's crazy is, uh, you know, I've been talking about this idea of being reborn and how we can start fresh. You know, I'm 31 years old, and I heard that by 33, I think I was listening to that guru fellow who was on Rogan, and he's on Instagram all the time. And he said there were some numbers that were really important. And if your momentum is not going the right direction by 33, uh, you know, it's, it's, it makes things even harder. And then he also used another number. It was like 66 or 64 or something. So trying to reframe myself, trying to trying to be that new person, but it's not easy. I've got 31 years of old experiences that shape my impulses. I've been struggling to get into meditating as well. I'm not really sure why. Uh, I, you know, you feel like other stuff is more important. But at the end of the day, I guess what I would say to everybody, and this is something back when I was weightlifting really heavy, 
and by heavy I mean both the weight and uh, with the frequency. Back when I was weightlifting really heavy, people would always say, oh, I wish I had time to work out. And uh, I'm reminded of a famous Ronnie Coleman quote, eight-time Mr. Olympia, uh, bodybuilder, big black guy, he's awesome. And his quote was, nobody has time to work out. You need to make time. And so oh, that's what I would always tell people. I'd be like, you have time, you just got to make time. And <laughs> I guess talking to myself is like, hey, man, you have time to meditate. You just have to make time. And I, I got away from that, honestly, probably near the start of the month. I mean, I've meditated, you know, an hour here and there. But back when I was on that smoking binge, when I kind of disappeared from you guys, this is May 31st, I wrote, I wrote down what I did in the morning because I felt like it justified me smoking in the evening. First, I woke up, I had coffee, I read a chapter of Proverbs, I shot my bow, trained my feet, went to the bathroom, did my back PT for about 30 minutes, I jogged for about 15 minutes, had a green shake protein shake, packed my lunch, did 22 minutes of yoga, I did a Turkish get-up, which is a kettlebell move where you lie flat on the floor and go to standing, keeping the dumbbell, uh, the kettlebell over your head the whole time, for 8 minutes, and then I did my Wim Hof breathing for 13 minutes. And so I wrote this stuff down all week. I basically had similar mornings, you know, just different orders. Back BT, jogging, protein shakes, yoga, Turkish get-up, Wim Hof, shooting the bow. One day I used the Hypervolt, uh, which is my massage gun. So normally I think people would look at that schedule and they'd say, damn, you're a badass motherfucker. Like, you're doing what needs to be done. And that's not untrue. But for me... It was almost like earning my way to heaven. And in this sense, it was earning my way to a smoke. And the trouble with smoking for me, I can't speak for everybody, right? Um, just got a message from somebody who's who's kind of, you know, they've said it's all or nothing. And once they pick up the smokes, usually their good habits disappear. My problem with smoking is not that I get rid of the healthy habits because I'm, I'm, I've got so many years of, of health behind me. You know, and I'm very in tune with my body. But my problem with smoking is that it affects my memory. You know, I have no idea what happened during the day if I smoked that night. Like, I go to school, and I'm like, okay, <laughs> what do I do? <laughs> what have we done? It crushes it. It just crushes my short-term memory. Also, usually, I would say at least half the time, all I really want is just a hit of that high, you know, that dopamine or whatever. I just want to feel high. But then I want to get back to work. And the problem is you can't do that. You know, you smoke weed and you're fucked up for the next four hours. And so everybody's got their own reasons for quitting. Everybody's got their own reasons why uh, it's no good. But th those are definitely mine. And also the speech. Pro probably the biggest thing is the speech. Um, I went to speech therapy for three or four years as a kid, probably four. And uh, I had actually been diagnosed special ed when I was in kindergarten by the, whatever it was there, social worker, special ed teacher, I can't even remember, who later became the principal that I got to see often because I was that kid who went to the principal every single year from kindergarten all the way to 12th grade. Never got OSS, got ISS a few times in high school, a um, couple of detentions, just tomfoolery, just goofing off, but... Smoking impairs those things for me. And uh, you know what's crazy too is it, it negatively affects relationships. It negatively affects interactions with people, even with fellow smokers. Because, example, smoked with my brother. 
And two hours later, I'm like, or not even two hours later, I'm like, hey, we're smoking again, right? And we were having a good time right up to that point, you know, drinking. But smoking kind of brought us down. And then when we smoked again, it was like, okay, like we just wanted to be alone. We didn't want to do anything. Um, you know, a little more of a Debbie Downer. It was interesting. It acted kind of like a depressant. And so when I smoked with my friend over the weekend, uh, setting up those deer stands, we took a hit of the unicorn stuff. And we were jacked up. We were laughing, like we talking, uh, you know, <laughs> obviously our functionality decreased somewhat. But whatever, it was all good. We were having fun. We even tried wrestling a little bit. That was crazy. And then he packed it again. And I, I don't know why I, I took a hit. I guess it felt like it had been a long time. But I remember taking the hit, looking at the clock and being like, oh, fuck. Like, it's literally only been one hour. And after that, the the vibe just changed. And, like, we we were both really jacked up. You know, he got totally lost on his own property. We walked on the neighbor's for like 200 yards, I kept telling him we weren't on his place, and he thought we were, um, I was losing track of things, and we were just depressed, like, I don't know, it wasn't fun and camaraderie anymore, it was like, both of us working hard to, to stay positive, uh, it, it was just weird, man, it was weird, and it was dumb, and I regretted it, when I left, I was like, you know what, Jake, that was a, that was a dumb thing to do, and so, anywho, one of the places I'm finding inspiration, and I can't speak for everybody, is in the Bible. And so Proverbs 15, the whole book of Proverbs just kind of lays out uh, best practices, is what I'd call it, best practices. And so we'll, we'll get into those right now. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The tongue of the wise makes knowledge acceptable, but the mouth of fools spouts folly. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, watching good and evil. A soothing tongue is a tree of life, but perversion in it crushes the spirit. Uh, soothing, in this case, refers to like healing. And so, a fool rejects his father's discipline, but he who regards reproof is sensible. Great health is... <laughs> I'm so sorry, Jesus Christ. Oh, man, I'm blaspheming... God, while I'm reading the Bible, I better take a sip of green tea. Alright. Sorry, guys. Great wealth is in the house of the righteous, but trouble is in the income of the wicked. The lips of the wise spread knowledge, but the hearts of fools are not so. The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is his delight. The way of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but he loves one who pursues righteousness. Grievous punishment is for him who forsakes the way. He who hates reproof will die. Sheol and abandon lie open before the Lord. How much more the hearts of men. In uh, the reference here, Sheol and abandon, the two synonyms have references to the place of the dead, the grave. The verse points to God's om omniscience. Omniscience? Omnis omnipotence? Omniscience, that's kind of interesting. I thought it was omnipotence. So we'll go back here. Sheol and abandon lie open before the Lord. How much more the hearts of men. A scoffer does not love one who reproves him. He will not go to the wise. A joyful heart makes a cheerful face. But when the heart is sad, the spirit is broken. The mind of the intelligent seeks knowledge. But the mouth of fools feeds on folly. All the days of the afflicted are bad. But a cheerful heart has a continual feast. Better is a little with the fear of the Lord 
than great treasure and turmoil with it. Better is a dish of vegetables where love is than a fattened ox served with hatred. A hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but the slow to anger calms a dispute. Man, that verse speaks to me. Uh, the way of the lazy is as a hedge of thorns, but the path of the upright is a highway. A wise son makes a father glad, but a foolish man despises his mother. Folly is joy to him who lacks sense, but a man of understanding walks straight. Without consultation, plans are frustrated, but with many counselors they succeed. A man has joy in an apt answer, and how delightful is a timely word. The path of life leads upward for the wise, that he may keep away from Sheol below. The Lord will tear down the house of the proud, but he will establish the boundary of the widow. Evil plans are an abomination to the Lord, but pleasant words are pure. He who profits illicitly troubles his own house, but he who hates bribes will live. The heart of the righteous ponders how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things. The Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayer of the righteous. Bright eyes gladden the heart. Good news puts fat on the bones. He whose ear listens to life-giving reproof will dwell among the wise. He who neglects discipline despises himself. But he who listens to reproof requires understanding. The fear of the Lord is the instruction for wisdom, and before honor comes humility. And uh, I don't know if I've read that verse somewhere else in Proverbs, because you notice there's a lot of uh, a lot of repeating themes here. But that that one fascinates me. Before honor comes humility, because it's such a I, I don't want to call it oxymoron, but there's such extremes, right? Like a humble person, they say pride is the root, is like the the base of all sin, and. Humility, obviously, is the opposite of that, right? So maybe humility is the base of all these other fruits of the Spirit. And uh, honor, you know, most of the time when you're being honored, you're being recognized. Like, people are clapping for you, they're patting you on the back, uh, they're, somebody important is talking about you in front of many people. And I definitely chase that. You know, I got that firstborn, in the, I'm the firstborn of four kids, that need for, for approval. And, you know, I... And I also maybe have a big ego. I don't know. But I like that kind of stuff. Uh, so the idea to get honor, I have to be humble, is, again, the idea of sacrifice. Like I, there's, a, there's a death that has to happen to the self in order to reach this place of honor. And what's crazy is, once you're humble, can you appreciate the honor? I mean, the reality is yes, right? But it's a different, it's a deeper level of satisfaction that doesn't have the same rush and elation that maybe, you know, when you're full of pride uh, that's being generated inside of you. Uh, I just, it's, it's, that's a really, really hard one for me to wrap my mind around. And it ties right in with this idea of the shining state, right? So if you're following your soul, like if you're just living exactly in the moment, Doing what your subconscious says is the next best thing. I call that the shining state. I mean, there's probably all sorts of different names for it, but essentially you've, you've given up your ego. You've given up your sense of identity. If all you're doing is focusing with every, every fiber of your being, and I don't mean it with intensity per se, but what I mean is, like, I'm reaching in my desk and pulling out a pencil, and that's all I'm thinking about. 
I'm putting the pencil on the paper, and that's all I'm thinking about. I'm writing the message, and that's it. I'm putting the key in the ignition. I'm pulling the car out of the driveway. Like It's very natural to have the, the rest of your mind space be contemplating, talking, ruminating, mad about something, happy about something. But when you're in that shining state, when you're focusing on the exact thing you're doing, you always make the next right decision. And I call it the shining state because I believe that's where your soul comes through. And I believe everybody's soul is good, right? Like, they kind of talk about that in Harry Potter a little bit. Like, to damage the soul, you have to kill a soul. Like, that's that's the only way you damage it. And Voldemort, you know, he tore his soul seven times, right? He created all these horcruxes. I believe this sentiment is shared by other people in the idea that the soul is good. Because if you ask people... Hey, are, are, are people good? You know, I believe the answer is always yes. Like People are mostly good. The trouble comes from when their own agenda takes priority. And, and, and whose agenda is it really? Is it their agenda? Or is it an agenda created by the experiences of their past? If that person had been born in a different zip code, if that person had been born in a different country, would they have the same agenda? Would they have the same priorities? The answer is no. But would their soul be the same? The answer is yes, right? So it's not easy. It's not easy. But, you know, hopefully you can surround yourself with like-minded people. And that's where, you know, I called my my stoner buddy the other day. And uh, you guys don't know this, but he's he's losing his job. He's losing his job because he couldn't show up to work on time. Because he couldn't put his grades in on time. Because he would leave his classroom to go talk to other teachers. And uh, that's less of it, actually. But that was one more piece of the ammunition that the administration accumulated in order to get him out of there. It's, it's just really, really wild. And he, he doesn't see marijuana as being a part of that. But he has total unfettered access now to some really high-grade stuff. You know, he'll, he'll smoke three, four really fat joints a day. And there was a time when I first met him when his wife was kind of regulating what he was allowed to have. She's a control freak. They were, just like most owners, kind of scrimping and scrounging around to get stuff. And so they never had a lot on hand, so, you know, rationing it out sort of thing. And somehow he was able to wake up at 5 o'clock in the morning and do stuff. Somehow he was able to get to work, you know, an hour early, half an hour early. Uh, his marriage was not in a great place at that at that time, but his marriage wasn't really in a great place when all this was going on. I guess now his marriage is in a better place, and that's cool. But he likens it to him putting the family first, and I I disagree a little bit. Just again, I'm I'm on, I'm on the outside, but we talk fairly often, and I'd argue that his marriage is in a better place because he's taken a stand for so long. Like, you can't expect your spouse to change or respect you if they've, like, you know, because she's got a lot of childhood baggage, right? Um, they're not going to change overnight. Like, they, they just can't. Like, it is not possible. But if you if you stand your ground, he's been standing his ground now for, like, two years. And so it's finally all coming around. And thankfully, you know, praise the Lord it is for him because now he's in a jam with work. So... You know, he was like, oh, you're so depressed, right? Oh, work's terrible. Oh, my marriage is terrible. Well, now his marriage is good, and he's totally signed off of work. He's already he's already resigned. He's he's trying to apply to a job. 
right up the street. And, uh, you know, if he doesn't get that, he doesn't care if he subs. Whatever, man. Like, the, you know, your foundations are, are being shaken and cracked. I can appreciate that. But, guys, we just we, we just got to keep doing our best here. And it, somebody else messaged me, a social worker, actually, and trying to figure out, trying to learn more about the struggles their clients go through with regards to quitting marijuana. And so if you guys have any other tools or resources that have helped you quit, I'd love it if you shared them with me, quitting marijuana podcast at gmail.com. Uh, maybe it's scripture, maybe it's marijuana uh, anonymous. I've looked up a few meetings, but they're they're not close to me. I mean, I hate to say an hour and a half is like a big deal, hour 45 minutes, but it is kind of a big deal, right? Especially if it's in the evening on a, on a weeknight to go all the way down there do the meeting and then come all the way back and then expect to be successful at work the next day. I feel like it's asking a lot, but uh, I do wish that there were a few more of those. And thankfully, I, I didn't get political this morning. Something else I want to talk about maybe at another another time. But let's go ahead and end with a quote. So this is from a guy who wrote Brave New World, Aldous Huxley. If one's different, one's bound to be lonely. If one is different, one is bound to be lonely. Hey, remember to find satisfaction in the struggle and peace in the moment. We'll see you next time. Thank you.